All right, we're beginning a new series called Made for Mondays. How many of y'all love Mondays? Woo, awesome. For most of us, that means Monday means work, right? So we have this kind of love-hate thing with work and all that. So over the next few weeks, what I want to challenge us to think about is that we as followers of Jesus are actually created for Mondays. And he's assigned you and he's called you and given you a specific purpose and an assignment. And as that, as a follower of Jesus, Monday is made for us because that's where we're supposed to be and we're called and assigned to do it. And that we can go from oh, work to awesome, I get an opportunity to be salt and light in the place that God has assigned me. So we'll be looking at several different verses. They'll be up on the screen. But um, as we get started, uh, Hannah gave me some approved songs to share with you because, I mean, you know, you think about work, you want to kind of... Sometimes you gotta have music to get you going in the morning and get you things. So here's some songs, I think, for your Mondays to think about work and kind of get you energized. And they're from all different eras and genres. And so here's one that I think if you're, um, this was before my time. I'll put it like that, okay? And so here's a song from before my time that some of you little bit older youth group kids might like, okay? Your parents didn't like it, I know. But... It's been a hard day All those hippies go, yeah. My mama didn't like it. I was rebelling. With those guys that had a tie and suit on, right? But they shook their hips or something. Awesome. Uh, Here's another one. This is uh, still a little bit before my time, but, you know, you think about this idea of taking care of your business. Oh, y'all didn't know y'all were going to come to church and get some songs to get you going. Y'all are like, where's my Spotify? <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right, here's one. This is, a, this is a ladies' song, okay, this is for you ladies. This is this idea of uh, going to work together and just the enjoyment that y'all have cohabitating and co-working together over a long period of specific time each day. Some of y'all are dancing now. Hold on. There you go. You didn't know. You you can dance if you want to stand up and dance. That's good. This is about. This is a song about my time. This is more of like a city type thing. How many of you have been on a train before? Okay, you got to go to work on a train. Well, here's Sheena Easton's idea on getting to work in the city. All right, and then sometimes, you know, I waited tables in college, and it was hard. You're working hard for your money. So let's listen to Donna Summer. Or we can work for our living with Huey Lewis. Let's listen to that other one. All right, now this one, there you go. I think we found a new worship team person over here. (laughs) All right, and then this is uh, Hannah's favorite song. She specifically chose this one because this is her life. Right? 
then here's an oldie but a goodie. I mean, even his last name tells us this is all about making money. You better not try to stand in my way as I'm walking out the door. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. Some of y'all said that shove it part with a little extra emphasis. Uh, y'all might have had something in mind. Uh, maybe you, maybe y'all have been there before. But hey, listen, work is, should be, actually, it's a calling, and I know sometimes there's opportunities where we're in a job, and it is just a job, and it is just about the paycheck. But even in that, as followers of Jesus, there's opportunities, even in those most difficult of places, to be salt and light. And so over the next few weeks, I want us to grab this idea, what is a biblical worldview of work? And that God has called us to work even before the fall there was work. And so God worked. And so what does that look like for us to be workers? How many of y'all remember this Disney song, you know, Hi-Ho? Y'all remember that song? And it's so it's such a kind of an upbeat type of a song, isn't it? Yeah, so let, let's listen to that song. Hi-Ho! You're excited to come home for work. I mean, these little short guys running around, bouncing around. And you're like, hey, that's like, that's like Pastor Chris running around. He's going to work. And in reality, Disney took a word, hi-ho, that actually meant a deep sigh or disappointment. Hi-ho literally means a deep sigh or disappointment. That hi-ho meant, oh, i got to go to work. But Disney, you can't go to Disney and go, oh. No, they got to turn it around, right? So hi-ho, and so they upbeat it. And so that's really a great illustration for us, is that how many times have we gone into work or how many times do we go to work with people and the idea that they have is work. But as followers of Jesus, it's like work. I get to go work. I get to be an architect, a creator, a developer, a builder, a whatever, a teacher. Whatever you're called to do, you get to do that. And so over the next few moments, we're going to spend some time thinking about how we can turn the oh, the disappointment and the sadness of work into hi-ho, hi-ho, I get to go to work. Because work is a basic human need. We need food, we need water, we need shelter, we need all these things, but even work is a part of it. For without work, there's a deep sense of inner loss, uh, of something is missing. Even the other day, I was at the uh, football game, and go Leps, and uh, at the football game, and while I was at the football game, this young lady sat down next to me, and we began just talking and sharing life together, and I was like, hey, you know, what do you do, and all that different stuff, because that's what guys ask, what do you do, even to other people, and because that's our identity, so many times for guys, and so anyway, I'm talking to her, and her husband's there, and we're talking, and she said, you know, actually, I'm his chauffeur. And uh, he's been a lawyer in Houston for 50 years, and we now live out here in LaGrange area. But because I don't want him to die, literally is what she said, I don't want him to die um, because his identity is so wrapped up in being a lawyer. We go twice a week into Houston so he can still fulfill his purpose and have meaning. Because I love my husband. I know this brings him purpose and meaning. So I drive him to and from work, and he's talking on the phone and doing his stuff. But but our identity easily becomes our our. Our work becomes our identity, especially for men. And when our identity should not be our work, but who we are. And so this idea of work being what we do, not necessarily who we are. Because people, when we work, it gives us something 
deeper for us. It gives us a deeper value. And this work gives us an opportunity to thrive emotionally and physically and even spiritually. Leisure and pleasure are good, but at some point it kind of gets boring. I've even talked to some of you, you've, you've gone off and maybe you've gone to the beach for a little bit and you're like, hey, I could never get tired of the beach. And then you come back and you're like, man, I'm, I'm tired of the beach. You've been there for long. You can just kind of get to that place. And so pleasure and leisure are good, but there becomes to an end where your soul longs for something more because we need purpose and we need meaning and work is a big part of that. It gives us something more that we need. Work also allows us to be useful to other people, that it gets us beyond ourselves and that the things that we do are actually giving to others and it moves us beyond ourselves. Work also actually allows us to discover who we are, discover our talents, our skills and, and all that. Even this past year, my son um, started working outside of the house on chores and was getting paid by somebody. And it was fun to see the development in that, hey, I don't think that he wants to dig ditches. Okay, because he's been working outside in the hot and sun and all that stuff. And so he's decided, hey, I want an inside office and I might become a CPA because I can dress up and not have to get sweaty. And so you can see this, this development of passion. And so along the way for each of us, even some of us have hobbies that we wish were our work, right? Because it's something that brings passion to us. And so this development of ideas and this, this thing of work moves us and shapes us and, and allows us to see the things that bring us great pleasure. A Christian understanding of work is this. It's not a thing that we do to live, but we live to do it because it's an act of worship. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul even kind of says it this way. that So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, what? Going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering, as an act of worship. Sunday mornings is, is an expression of what's been happening on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That this year we come together and celebrate, we're encouraged, we're strengthened, we come together. But this is a part of our worship, but Monday and Tuesday is just as much of worship. You are made for Mondays. You were made for Mondays. Sometimes we think the pursuit of freedom and the pursuit of leisure is our goal, that we think retirement is just on the deal. But, but freedom is not the absence of restrictions. You know, I talk to people that have been retired, that are, are that retired, and they say, I am busier now than I've ever been before. And part of that is, is because you've removed the restrictions of a job that you go nine to five or whatever. And so now you have to discipline yourself to what am I going to do? What is going to bring me purpose? But the loss of freedom is not the absence of restrictions, but finding the right ones is actually where we find freedom. God has given us boundaries with which to do life. Sometimes we call it the Ten Commandments. Y'all heard of those things? And those Ten Commandments are boundaries on which we can live the best life. Life without pain, without shame, without regret. And so living life within those boundaries brings us life. Outside of that can actually bring death. Think of it this way. A fish that thinks that they don't want to swim in water anymore and wants to swim on land, guess what happens to them? They die because they're made to do what? Swim. Think about a bird. bird thinks, hey, you know what? Those fish have got it good. It's cool and it's wet. I'm going to swim. And they take a dive and what happens? They die. So the restrictions with which they live in brings life to them. The restrictions with which we live in or should be living in, the boundaries that God has given us, actually brings life for us. One of the, one of the Ten Commandments, the fourth Ten Commandments, says that we should work 
six days, and on the seventh day we should rest. That there's this boundaries, there's a rhythm to life that God has given us. That God himself worked and created things and, and did some incredible things. And so even all throughout Genesis, whenever it talks about God creating and God working, it uses the same word that it uses whenever Adam works, is that God uses his hands to create and to make things, and it's a physical thing that's taking place. The first thing I want you to grasp is that God works. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we see it at the very beginning. In the beginning, God did what? Created the heavens and the earth. Literally, he worked to create. God's an architect, a builder, a designer. He worked to create the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. And on the seventh day, God completed his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for he rested from all the work of his creation. God's a craftsman. God's an artist. He's a designer. He's a builder. He worked to create. Here's the interesting thing. In Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Actually, just a few verses before, he had created the animals, and he stepped back from all the animals, and he said, this is good. He didn't go, no, he created, he worked, he had a design, and he stepped back, and he's like, this is good. It's good to work with your hands. It's good to see the fruit of your labor. And then he, the rest, he's at the end, it's like six days, and everything is created, and he looks, and he's like, wow, it is complete. It is good. So imagine with me an artist that has worked for a long time on our masterpiece and has put all the energy and the thought and has made correction and adaptations and all this, and then looks at that piece of art and is like, it's good. And that's how God sees us. That's how God sees his creation, the work that he has done. And for us, whenever we've done something with our hands, whenever we've done something with our mind and we've created and we've worked and we can stand back from it and go, it is good. This is the idea for us, that God has created us in his image to work and to, to do the different things and create so that we can look and stand back and, and be a part of that whole creative process and say, this is what God has designed us for is to work. And a part of that work is the enjoyment of what is at the end results. The journey of the work is a part of that. God saw all that stuff and he enjoyed it. God works and he finds delight in it. All throughout Genesis, those same words for us in our hands is the same for him. God worked and he delighted in it. Look, and also Jesus worked. We see that God worked, but then also Jesus worked. In John five seventeen. Jesus is asked a question of, of what are you doing? What are you about? And, and we know that from history that he was a carpenter. He took on his father Joseph's work, and so he's a tradesman, a carpenter. But then also at some time he transitioned into the work of God the, for, for God the Father, and he was doing ministry stuff. And so in 517, Jesus responded to the crowd, and he says, God, my father is working. He's still doing his stuff. He didn't just retire from being God after he created. But I am working also. In other words, he's about doing the ministry. He's creating and he's doing the things that Jesus was supposed to be doing. God worked. Jesus worked. Well, what about us? What is our work? 
Well, there's one word that I want you to get a hold of, and this word is kaleo. It's in your notes, I think. Kaleo means to call, and there's several different things about this idea of being called. The, the first idea, and this is from Paul's writings. He's used kaleo in several different ways. And so the first way that Paul uses kaleo in the New Testament is one is a call to a, rev, a relationship with God. So imagine you're walking along and that God has your phone number and he calls you and he calls you specifically and you answer that call. That's the idea here of Kaleo is that Jesus has spoken specifically to you, called your line, you have answered and responded. And and in that there's a relationship that begins to happen. And so once that call happens, you're continually in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The other call that we have is one to serve. And that we're called to specifically, as we find our gifts and our talents, you will experience a moment where God calls you to serve. And you'll know that you know that you know that you're supposed to be doing, working with the WANDAs or working with students or whatever. You have this sense of there's something outside of myself that God's called me to do and to serve. The other thing that he's called us, um, called us to do is he's called us to a specific body of believers. That one of the things, if you are have a specific gift and a specific talent, and God appoints you or calls you to a church body, that's because God has a task and a gift that he wants you to use within your body that makes that church body, that building, that group together unique so that we can function together. Because if you're not there, then we're going to be limping along. If you're not fulfilling your gifts, then we're going to be limping along. And so this idea of that you have a specific call to a body to serve and to do those things. But also the root word of this thing, kaleo, is also the root word of the word ecclesia, which is the New Testament word for church. And that that is the church has been called out, that we are a body of people that have been called out together. So as we come together, there's a people group that have been called out, have received that call from God and say, we're coming here together to be encouraged and to do life, that this is a family reunion when we gather together, we're the called out ones fleshing out. And so the same way that Israel was the called out people, there's something unique and different about us that people are looking and saying, why do you have hope in the midst of a hopelessness? Why do you bring light in the midst of darkness? And so those are unique characteristics about being a called out. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17, and Paul continues to use this word kaleo, this idea of call, and he says this, Let each one of you live his life in the situation the Lord assigned when he called, when God called him. So underline assigned and underline called. And so here Paul is telling us is that there's sometimes there's this idea that there's a separation between sacred and secular. That sometimes there's been this Greek idea, this Greek philosophy that there's this separation that, hey, listen, if you're called to be a pastor, if you're called to be a priest, you're called to be a nun or something in the ministry world that your calling is higher or better or something better than other people. And so this is a sacred calling. And then if I go to work somewhere else other than the church or something like that, then I have a secular calling and it's not quite as important or it's quite as valuable. And Paul here in verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 7, he sets that on its end and he says, listen, no, all work is sacred because you've been assigned and called to the position that you're called to. 
So if you're a teacher at LaGrange High School, then you have been assigned and called to that, and that is your ministry. It is a sacred work. If you work at the power plant, you're assigned and called to that. You are specifically there. You're in that position because you are salt and light in that place, that your calling, your assignment is sacred work. So don't settle it. It's not hi-ho, hi-ho, oh, off to work I go. It's hi-ho, hi-ho, I have sacred duties and responsibilities to be salt and light in the place that God's called me. And it flips it for us. So it gives us hope. It gives us an opportunity to say, listen, my job, my vocation is extremely valuable and important. As a matter of fact, the word vocation, the root of that is vocare, which the word means to call, that you've been called to, you've been assigned to a vocation, so that you have a vocation. Now listen, I understand that there are times that we go to a job and it's not necessarily, it's more of a paycheck. But hear what Jesus is saying, listen, that's a calling. Yes, you may love doing X hobby, but for now I have you assigned to this place. And it's not a place of suffering, it's a place of opportunity to do ministry. The vocation and call that we have to be in the place that God wants us to be. God is at work and in us. He also equips us for the work that he wants us. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. He says this, And he gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and some to be teachers. So there's a lot of some, right? So not all, not everybody, all this stuff. So some to be this. And so that the call is... For all these pastors, teachers, and all this stuff, they're equippers. Why? To equip the saints. So those that are not called to be pastors, teachers, priests, and all that, call, equip the saints for the teaching ministry so that when they go to their vocation, they go to their call, their assignment, they can be salt and light because they're doing the work of ministry. That your job is just as, if not more sacred, than Pastor Chris's job. You're going to run up against more non-believers in a 24-hour period than I will. Because guess who comes and talks to me? Believers. I mean, even when I go to the coffee shops and I go somewhere, you know what? The people that do not know Jesus or do not know what I do, they don't come seek me out unless they think I know directions to somewhere. But you go to work and you are in the middle of a place that they know, hopefully, that you are a follower of Jesus and they are watching you and seeing how you've been equipped and seeing how you have come to work and what is your attitude at work and what are you wanting out of work and what are you giving to work and are you the best employee, are you the best boss because you're moved by the fact that this is a calling and not just a job. Because when we move from just becoming just a job to a vocation and a calling and assignment, then we understand that as we are there, that we are called to excellence and that we should love well, we should be the best boss and grow. Not perfect, but that we're consistently growing and learning and loving and being the best that we can possibly be in those situations that God has called us to. We have sacred work. This elevates the purpose of work from just a job of making a living to an opportunity to worship. And it also releases us. Listen to this. It also releases us from the burden of having to work to prove ourselves and to give ourselves worth and value. So one of the things I think about as I was talking to that lady about her husband being a lawyer and that his being a lawyer defined him. Oh, man. 
Think about a lawyer that someone had gotten hold of, God had gotten a hold of, and he happens to be a lawyer, but he's a Christ follower. And now that he's in his you know, mid to late 60s, that he has an opportunity, I would assume that he's at a place where he has some more freedom. And, and so instead of having, having to take jobs, he gets to, gets to take jobs. And so that whenever someone comes and that they need a lawyer, but they may not be able to afford a lawyer, you can say, listen, I can take this. I can do this. That 25-year-old guy who's trying to make it and trying to do this, he can't do this, but I can do this. And it reminds me of the, the Old Testament idea of a farmer who would farm his land, and at the end of the day he would leave the corners of the field so that the poor could come and glean from it. Because he understood that not everybody could afford his product. He understood that there were going to be people in need. But he had done his work, and he stood back from his work, and he said, but for the grace of God, here's this bounty that I have. And so he shares it. And that for us, that there's going to be opportunities that, that we have a gift, we have a skill, that we have a talent, that we can let people glean from our field if it will better their life, and that we can still get the same enjoyment from the handiwork, from the creation, but understand that God allows us to glean the fields of the work that we do. How it changes the purpose of work is hi-ho, hi-ho, but an opportunity to do ministry and to bring life and change. Martin Luther the pastor that started the reformation of the church, he said, our work allows us to be the fingers of God to change things and to be able to love our neighbors in a way that we could never love our neighbors without the money, without the resources, without the talents that we have. We're called and assigned to work. How does your vocation allow you to serve God and to serve others? How does your job allow you to serve God and to serve others. Your daily work, your hi-ho going to Monday work, is your calling. And it's your assignment. You are made for Mondays. May tomorrow when you get up, may you sing hi-ho, 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 the Disney version. And say, I have an opportunity to worship at my place. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, I thank you so much for the jobs, for the vocations, for the skills, for the talents, for the education, all of the things that in this room and where all of these people are made for Mondays and the opportunities they get to, to serve and to love and to be salt and light in the different places that you've called us. And Father, that there are more people on Monday, that have an opportunity to hear Jesus than probably even on Sunday. And that we're called to that place, to be and to share Jesus in those places. May you challenge our hearts. May you allow us to rethink our work. May you challenge us to rethink our job. And remind us that we are made for Mondays. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.